podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Salah. This kick can Salah. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. And it's Wood. From Martinelli. Gorgeous. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Riley Finn. It's game week 23 and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. Last week we brought Bankett or Burnett back and Jake Jackman, obviously we had to start with him doing it. He's he's the OG king of Bankett or Burnett. Um, not the defending champion, but he still has that title of the original king of Bankett or Burnett. Um, I'm joined by a new contender this week, someone who has been on the podcast this year, a new signing this year for the podcast, but hasn't yet experienced Bankett or Burnett. It's Riley Finch. Riley, first and foremost, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, this is your first ever Bankett or Burnett. And then do you feel pressure as well as a budding young sports journalist to take this trophy home? Well, you know, I mean, I've heard a lot of a lot of things about this infamous bank it or burn it game. You know, I think from the moment I've come on the podcast, it's something that uh, we've spoken about. It's something I've been very interested in. But you know, you got some you got some fresh blood, but also I've got nothing to lose, mate. You know, if I if I do terribly here, it's not that bad. And I seem to remember us doing the um, the Power Five, and I don't think I did too badly on that one, especially with someone as well versed as yourself in such a subject. So, you know, I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it, and I'm uh, I'm doing well, mate. That's a perfect answer, really. So you're off to a good start already, which is good news. And obviously, this podcast is titled Passing the Torch, uh, for those of you that are keeping score out there. So perhaps maybe that's a good omen for you that mm-hmm. it could be the passing of the torch for the trophy. Um, I'm actually um, hoping to get the trophy in soon so that at least I have it in possession, being ready to be shipped to the winner um, I think Jody still has her one. Um, so that's exciting, but let's get into the fixtures. Cause before we get to Bank or Burnett, we got to discuss at the very least the first five fixtures that are going to be relevant for Bank or Burnett. And maybe another good omen for you is the first fixture involves the team that you support West Ham. They entertain Chelsea. All things are going well for you today. Is, is the score prediction going to go well for you as well? Uh, I don't know. I mean, West Ham is in a very weird predicament at the moment with um, how we're playing. I think Moyes is um, obviously, you know, if you kind of take into account what I've said across the podcast and across the season, you know, say things like Moyes doesn't know his team, his tactics just don't seem very well put together. And somehow he's still in the job, but he seems to be doing a decent job of it. He seems to have found his team. We've got the kind of wing back scenario going on. And I think that's something that we would usually adopt when we play three back teams such as Chelsea. And I think if there's a perfect time to play a team like Chelsea or um, your team, unfortunately, Tad Liverpool, <laughs> it is now. It is now. Now's the time to be playing those sorts of sides. Um, 
but in terms of the result, I'm not, I, I don't know. You know, I, I feel like the home crowd never really plays to our advantage, unfortunately. It's a very toxic atmosphere at the moment at the London Stadium. Um, but I thought we had a really good result against Newcastle last week. I think we really, one thing that we do struggle with is sort of controlling possession and, and you know, and also with late goals and just conceding silly goals. I think having a Gerd back in the team is just, he's such a general in that defence. Um, I do believe that Ben Johnson's going to have to come in for Tilo Kera. He's not necessarily a natural centre-back, but then we've also got Danny Ings coming back from injury. So things are looking up for West Ham, mate. And um, I think a nice, you know, I'm going to the game, so I would ideally like a decent result. One of the first games I've been to in a very long time. Uh, and I'm actually going to go for a one-all draw because I don't see it being very end-to-end. I think, you know, some new signers obviously coming in for Chelsea. I, 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 I've got a bit of optimism, mate, for the first time in, in a very long time. Um, and from the Chelsea sort of side of things, it's not looking too great for them. So for me, I'm going to go for a 1-1. But, you know, am, am I getting carried away, Tad? I don't think you are. You mentioned the amount of, obviously, new signings that Chelsea have and equally the the issues that you guys have controlling possession at times. I think the 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 amount of new signings they have, the new patterns of play they're all going to have to learn, getting used to playing with each other, the movement of, you know, how everyone else moves around them, they're not going to be familiar with that. So that might help you with being able to control possession. They might have a few loose passes, you know, not necessarily in sync with each other and have the chemistry 100%. So I think that might help you guys. Mm. I do think it's vital that you don't concede early because as you mentioned, it does sometimes get toxic at the moment at the London stadium. So if you guys can stay in it, you know, get the team to sort of calm down for the first 15, 20 minutes, get the passing going a bit. I, I think you might be able to bring the crowd with you. Such uh, a big ask though. We're so yeah. bad. At, we, we concede early a lot and we tend to capitulate when that happens. I mean, we conceded early against Newcastle technically twice in the first three minutes. Um, but obviously, you know, Chelsea aren't in a too good free score in form. But I, I totally agree with you, mate. The, go- the first goal is so crucial, especially when it's at home for us. Yeah, and I'm looking at uh, Chelsea. I think they've scored only two goals in their last five games. Mm. And one of those games was against Liverpool where they drew nil-nil. And I mean, Liverpool are conceding 23 big chances since the World Cup. So if, if you're not scoring against Liverpool, maybe you're not clicking or, or firing on all cylinders. So hopefully, hopefully for, for your sake, at least, uh, the team is able to at least gel and, and cause them enough problems to, to then try and get something going from an attacking standpoint. Um, from my perspective, I think, as you mentioned, I, for me, this is a big game for Declan Rice. And mm. he's, you know, we know the, inf- the now infamous interview that he gave at the World Cup, which I personally thought was a bit disrespectful you know, you're the captain of the club. You don't need to be mm. saying stuff like that. Um, you know, looking into your future before the season's even over. One of the clubs that's been heavily linked with him is Chelsea. If, if it's a way to get him motivated is to say, you know, if, if we've resided ourselves to the fact that he's leaving is to say, okay, go prove yourself. You're in a big stage. It's half past 12 kickoff. The whole nation's going to be watching it because they they know other Premier League games going on at the moment, go and prove against a midfield that's going to not be used to each other. Go and dominate that game. I'm expecting you to be one of the best players on the pitch and, and just dominate a game like that. And if he can do that, 
I think you guys have a chance to go and I'm, I've gone one nil to West Ham. I think oh, wow. it's going to be a low scoring game, but mm. I'm, I'm banking on the fact that Declan Rice has to perform in this game. He has to back it up. Um, and then also Chelsea are still ironing out the Kings. I don't think they're there yet. And, I'm, and I don't think it's fair to expect them to be there yet. And as you mentioned, they're the type of teams you want to be playing at the moment. Get those fixtures out of the way. Um, and then we let's move on to Arsenal versus Brentford. Now, this is the first of two fixtures for Arsenal this week. Is it a potential banana skin for Arsenal? Because if you look at the fixture they have in the midweek of, of this week, the day after Valentine's Day, it's that top of the table clash with Man City. But dare you take Brentford for granted because they mm. are a very, very tidy team and have, you know, have been the gatekeepers of the Premier League in the sense that if you're not, if you're not coming into the game well coached, well prepared against Brentford, they're going to give you a hiding. They're going to cause you problems. We've seen it so often. You know, Arsenal were, were the first ones to see it, you know, when Brentford mm. came up to the, into the Premier League. So it might be a situation where Arsenal players can't afford to look ahead in the week. They have to come prepared for this game. Oh, yeah. I think Brentford this season have been the giant killers. I mean, the football that they're playing at the moment, they, they play such just dangerous football. It's almost like the football leads tried to play in their sort of first Bielsa reign, except for they actually know how to defend and how to kind of sit back and, and, and what it means for the, you know, I mean, the amount of chances that they allow other teams is crazy for the amount of goals that they score. Um, and they don't seem to have too many injuries. They seem to be pretty good at keeping the same uh, group of players, same net of players together. Um, I wouldn't take Arsenal's result against Everton too much into account last week. I think you always get that new manager bounce. Obviously, the game is at Goodison Park as well. All the players are going to be wanting to put performance in. And it's not as if they were undone by this beautiful goal. They were undone by probably the most Sean Dyche-esque <laughs> kind of goal you could predict, you know, a, a corner. Um, I just think with Brentford and how how much they play with fire, a team like Arsenal, which is so comfortable on the ball and can just literally pick apart teams when they need to. I, I don't see them falling victim to a giant killer like Brentford. I, I mean, Brentford will give them a good game. There's no doubt about that. And I think they definitely will score. But I just think the way Arsenal control games, the way they're able to just dissect opponents, I don't see them being undone by these counterattacks. And if you, if you allow uh, Arsenal the ball, which is obviously what Brentford do and allow this sort of... Um, like I say, playing with fire, sort of counter-attacking, beckoning, then I still think Arsenal are just going to pick them off. So for me, I'm going with a bounce-back victory for Mikel Arteta, and I'm going for 2-1 to Arsenal. 2-1 to Arsenal. And that would certainly put pressure on City ahead of their game this weekend, knowing that they've got the game on Wednesday as well. So that would be a fantastic result for Arsenal. I'm going to go against you in this one. I'm going to go 2-1 Brentford. and. Wow. It's it's from a position of caution in that I need to see it first from Arsenal players where they've got this big game in midweek and they've got a very tough game that you cannot underestimate on the weekend. Do the players go full into challenges in this game knowing they might potentially miss probably the biggest game of the season in the Premier League in the midweek? Mm. I don't know. Um, Hopefully, for Arsenal's sake, uh, Arteta's got them well drilled and... and disciplined enough to focus on this game first and then the second one but 
Arsenal just haven't been afforded that too often this season. They're not in Champions League, so they haven't had to experience that, you know, important two games in a week type of situation. I think Brentford throw a spanner in the works here, get a win in this one, and we'll get on to Man City and what they could do on the weekend. But for for me, I think Brentford, as they've been, as you've mentioned, the giant killers, I think they've got one more at least. Mm-hmm. Just to spice things up, um, and, and, and sort of make this quite an interesting week of football. So I'm going to go 2 1 to Brentford. Um, obviously Ivan Tony's still there. Uh, I know, for example, I was cautious bringing him into my fantasy team because I thought a decision would have come regarding to him a lot sooner than it has. But if he ends mm-hmm. up playing the whole season, who knows what, what Brentford could do this season. But let's move on to another team that's absolutely enjoying this season in Brighton. You know, they entertain Crystal Palace. Now, I, I feel for Crystal Palace a bit here because the fixture list is not kind for them. You know, it, you know, it, it's going to be a tough, tough time for them going all the way to about March time. And I think for them, it's just trying to hold on, <laughs> so to speak, try not to get dragged into the relegation zone, hoping that other teams maybe uh, falter a bit just to give them breathing room. But they're coming up against Brighton. They're coming up against Matoma, who I don't see an argument against him being one of the most informed players in the Premier League. Maybe Rashford has something to say about that, but he's absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, and Brighton are leaning on him. They're, they're playing tidy football. Um, I know you mentioned last time you're on the podcast, um, how they, they've not changed too much, which is good. Um, and it's worked for them to to have that continuity def- despite the disruption they had with Graham Potter leaving. But for me, I think, you know, Crystal Palace, the woes continue for them in this game. I've I've gone with a 2-0 Brighton win. I don't know mm. if, if if that's too overconfident in, in Brighton's defense. I know at times they do invite teams into the games. Is, is that too bullish, a scoreline? Uh, I, I would say so, because I've gone for 2-0 as well. So <laughs> it would be a bit weird if I was going to argue against that. But I think Brighton have proved that they can grind out results. You know, they played last week against Bournemouth and it wasn't the most exciting game. You know, Bournemouth, obviously, they try and pen them in and they, they still get the job done. And I just think with, with Brighton, they're just such an organised, well-drilled team. Uh, and obviously, Palace, I do, you know, like I say, I do feel for them at the moment with the run that they're on. But I'm just looking at that squad and I'm thinking, you know, Zaha's kind of patch where he just scores week in, week out is not really in full flow at the moment defensively they don't you know they don't really give me too much confidence I'm just thinking you know against a side like Brighton who they just I mean they just roll with the punches didn't they they lose Trossard they spawn another player in they they you know all these they're probably the the best run club in the country I would argue um and they just seem to always get the job done and you you are kind of seeing them in the position they are in the league and sort of thinking well when are they going to kind of drop down when's the inevitable kind of okay we're Brighton Football Club we're probably not going to be in this position come the end of the season but quite honestly I mean I, I just I don't see who's gonna gonna stop them at the moment they're they're just they're a, they're a joy to watch and I think the fact that it's a derby as well I mean we haven't really mentioned that too much um it's always a bit controversial as whether it's an actual proper derby or not but you know we know Brighton fans do not like uh, Palace fans, Palace fans are like Brighton fans. The fact it's at the Amex, the fact that it's going to be a game where everyone's going to be up for it. I, ju- I just think Brighton are going to get the job done. Yeah, and look, if if it is one of those 
games that you really do want to watch, especially if you're in the UK. You know, we've seen them clamping down um, on on people trying to watch games at three o'clock in the afternoon here. It's not going to be on TV, but it is going to be available to you if you guys link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. And they, as I said, sponsors of this podcast in association with EPRindex.com. You can check out their services at libertyshield.com. If you guys want to save 25%, use the coupon code EPL25. That's either for your uh, router or for the software VPN. The software uh, just downloads straight onto your devices, which is pretty cool. It's a virtual private network. That's a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You can change your location, avoid uh, geoblocks and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. If, for example, you want to watch the 3 o'clock games, using Peacock and, you know, want to use the American version of Peacock, this is a great way to do it. Um, it's also number one rated VPN on Trustpilot, which is pretty cool. You guys can also check out uh, the EPL Index shop. It's on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you can get 10% off at checkout. We we got to pay the bill somehow here, Riley. Uh, we do, we do. I mean... <laughs> The game tonight, Manchester United against Leeds, it's not even on TV. It's atrocious, isn't it? Absolute travesty. Absolute travesty. But yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to be watching it. So, um, I'm not too bothered with that. There's the, mm. the, there's the Super Bowl this weekend as well. Um, for those that do watch American football, if you, if you want to catch that, uh, you don't have to worry about which channel it's going to be on. It's, it's easily available with Liberty Shield and we thank them for sponsoring this show. Let's move on to Fulham versus Nottingham Forest. Now, before the season, maybe this game is seen as a relegation battle, uh, and, and, and a, and, you know, that proverbial six pointer between two teams that have been promoted and are likely to go down again. Well, Fulham destroyed that notion quite early on into the season. They, they've been playing well. But interestingly enough, Nottingham Forest have picked up a few results of late and, they no longer are sort of hovering in the relegation zone as expected. Is this game more exciting with these teams playing well, or would it have been more exciting? Uh, maybe this is quite uh, doom and gloom, but would it have been more exciting if they were, um, as projected, a bit worse off and, and, and needing these games to climb out of the relegation zone? Or do we just get to watch two really good teams at the moment? Well, I don't know, mate. It depends if you think goals are exciting, because... <laughs> I mean, you know, Fulham have not scored in three Premier League games at the moment. They they are struggling to score goals, albeit they have had a, quite a tough run. I think what Newcastle, Spurs, uh, and Chelsea. But then you've got Forest, who for me, I feel like they've only got one goal in them. I know Brennan Johnson's on electric form, but I think the only results they've actually won this season is when they've won one nil. Uh, and they, you know, if you look at the um, their goal difference, it's honestly not that different to the teams who are in trouble in the relegation zone. Um, but I think they know that. I think they know what sort of team they are. Um, they've had to adapt from being that team in the championship that were just all guns blazing and just tried to outscore their opponent. They've had to adapt to it a little bit. I mean, the signing of Kalor Navas is completely insane for a team of not not Forest stature. I know they've got history and stuff, but for a team that's just come into the Premier League to sign essentially PSG's backup goalkeeper, you know, Champions League medalist and all this other sort of stuff, it, it reminds me of um, Julio Cesar when he signed for QPR. <laughs> I don't know how much of an impact he's really going to have, but Fulham, they've got, they're organised, they know what they're doing. 
and I think they're going to grind out a one nil result here. To be honest with you, I, I, I think I think both teams know what they are. Both teams know how they play, and I feel like as soon as that one goal goes in for Fulham, it doesn't really feel like Forest are going to have much of an answer. So for me, I, I think it's not going to be a very exciting game. Uh, albeit maybe if it was a relegation battle, it would be. But yeah, I I, I do think this is going to be um. A bit of a close knit game, one nil Fulham. I'm going with here. Is that is that wrong of me, Tad? Are you going for a bit a bit bolder? No, I'm, I'm I've not gone bold. I've gone for a draw. I've gone for a one one draw, and I think it's more selfish from my perspective of how I want to watch the game uh, yeah. necessarily than 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 how it might play out. In the sense that I think it would be a more exciting game if we get that early goal from Nottingham Frost that they seem to be getting, and by default you then have to give that to Brendan Johnson. Uh, getting that goal and we have a Fulham side who as you've mentioned are struggling to get goals having to chase the game with the crowd you know hopefully backing them to to go after Nottingham Forest um, yeah yeah so I've gone with the 1-1 as I said I, I admit this one is a lot more selfish for my own personal enjoyment than necessarily um, you know looking at the analytics or or, or anything beyond that um, let's move on to Leicester versus Tottenham Hotspur. And I do believe this is the last game that will be relevant for Bank It or Burn It for you. So mm. I'm, I'm interested to see, um, how you think this is, this game is going to go against two teams that are coming into this one off really good wins in, in their perspective. I know, um, from a Spurs perspective and I guess from an Arsenal perspective, uh, Spurs' result w- would have gone down well in North London for both clubs. Uh, and then Leicester City involved in a thriller, uh, something I wasn't quite expecting against Aston Villa. If, if it was going to be a thriller, um, if someone told me before the game it was going to be a four, a, a six game thriller, I would have leaned more to Aston Villa taking it than Leicester. So mm. h- how do you see these teams approaching this game and, and, and handling each other? Well, I mean, with the form Harry Kane's in at the moment, combined with the fact he's playing against a side that I think he scored the most goals against, I mean, I, I would be looking forward to it as a Leicester fan, personally. I think they're very up and down. Again, I really didn't see that coming uh, from a Leicester point of view. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I mean, against such a organised side that's had such a big jump in form under Unai Emery, I'm very surprised they've let, allowed four goals. I mean, where would where would those four goals have even come from prior to the game? I wouldn't even be able to tell you, unless it was a James Madison quadruple, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you where those four goals would have come from. But they grinded a result and... I just don't see them doing it again. I think, unfortunately, it's going to be, you know, natural sort of existence resumes for them. Uh, and I, I think Spurs coming off the back of a decent victory against um, City, Kane in the sort of form that he's in. Obviously, Conte. I can't tell if he wants to be there or not. To be honest, <laughs> I don't. It's 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 very weird. I can't. It's a bit of a toxic relationship, I suppose. I can't really tell if he wants to be there and and you know grind out Tottenham Hotspur or if he's just kind of waiting for the inevitable moment where Spurs just kind of look for the next manager. Um, but they, you know, they're just, they, they've had a decent transfer window. They just signed Pedro Porro. He might make an appearance. Obviously the whole Jed Spence debacle is over at least for now. Um, so I think they've definitely got a key area uh, of their defense sorted out now. I think Leicester as well are going to be struggled, uh, are going to struggle against a team that's going to try and stretch them. So for me, I'm going 2-0 Tottenham. 2-0 to Tottenham. Um, I think the, the the key thing for me in this game for Tottenham is they have to win it purely because 
heading into these two fixtures, you know, a fixture against Man City and then following it up with Leicester, you're probably at, you know, if, if you're being realistic, let me say, um, you're looking at both those games and saying, if we can come away with four points out of six, um, that, that's fantastic. Now, obviously yeah. the, 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 the diehard Spurs fans will always predict six out of six for all fixtures, regardless of who they're playing. Fair enough. But if you're looking at from, you know, tallying up how your points are going to, how you're going to get your points in a season, um, you're probably thinking a draw against Man City and a win against Leicester. That's perfectly fine. It still keeps us on target for getting top four. Um, that, that, that would be top four type of form. If you can get that now that they've got the, the Man City win and, and they've flipped it around, I think it will be kind of disappointing if they only get a draw against Leicester. They have to capitalize on, on that Man City win, get a win against, um, Leicester in this one, make it six points out of six and, and really put pressure on the teams above them. So I'll be interested to see if they can deliver that. Um, in terms of Conte, as you say, not knowing whether or not he wants to be there, but I do know one thing about Conte is he wants to win. So even if he doesn't want to be at Spurs, he still wants to win football. It's in his nature. So um there's always that part of it. I, I think they do get the job done here. I think they do start to put pressure on the likes of Newcastle, who will obviously get onto a bit later on. But yeah, I've gone 3-0 to Spurs. I just think the moment they get that 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 goal, they're going to be able to pick... Leicester apart on the counter-attack as Leicester try and chase the game. Um, and, and it's just going to get from bad to worse for them. But we're moving on to Bank It or Burn It. As we said, your, your first ever Bank It or Burn It. But before we get to that, I'll, I'll give you a, a chance to sort of familiarize yourself with the questions and we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with, with, with Riley as he tries to attempt Bank It or Burn It. And we are back. All right. Let's get going here. Um, now, are there any questions that you have to start off or are you, you just ready to crack on? Mate, we're going to, we're going to jump straight into it. We're going to jump straight into it. Okay. Perfect. All right. So for those of you that, um, aren't sure of the rules yet, basically I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock. Uh, Riley is going to try and answer all five questions in each of the five rounds before the 15 seconds runs out. I'll read out each question. He'll shout bank it if he thinks the scenario will happen or he'll shout burn it if he thinks the scenario won't happen. The fixtures, just to remind you again, are Chelsea versus West Ham, Arsenal versus Brentford, Crystal Palace versus Brighton, Fulham versus Nottingham Forest, Leicester versus Spurs. And the questions are A, possession 55% to the home team, B, over eight shots on target. C, over 20 tackles. D, set piece goal. And E, knee slide goal celebration. I know you mentioned Sean Dyche with the, with the typical Sean Dyche goal, but unfortunately there's no Everton mm. in this set of fixtures. So, so that's probably played to your disadvantage there with banking a set piece goal, but we'll, we'll see how you get on. Let's start off with Chelsea versus West Ham. Your time starts now, possession 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Set piece goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Oh, just in time. I'll let the clock go so, you know, 
so you can get a sense of how close you were to to potentially missing out on that one. But first round, uh, nerves maybe out of the system now. Yeah, I mean the the set piece one threw me off a tiny bit. <laughs> yeah. um, if you if, if you'd have said, um, is there going to be like a handspring pirouette like three cartwheel celebration i might have banked it with paquetta in the squad but <laughs> fair fair <laughs> yeah i've got to feel i mean it's easier for me because i'm obviously I'm a west ham fan the other ones are going to be probably a little bit more instinct all right let's see it's arsenal versus brentford um you predicted let's have a look here you predicted a 2-1 win to arsenal mm. on that one um let's see how that factors into your Predictions here. Your time starts now. Possession 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Set piece goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Ah, oh, interesting. Now, you're a natural. You had time to spare. There goes the clock. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, I think you, you, you're getting the, the, the groove of it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to, Crystal Palace versus Brighton. I don't want to kill your momentum. Your time starts now. Possession 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Set piece goal. Uh, Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Nice. I nearly cost you there. See, that's the thing. It, it's not just on you. It's on me as much as it is on you. Um, so I, I feel the pressure as well, but I think with my experience, um, with your youthful exuberance, I, I think it works out. Um, you're doing well, mate. Honestly, there's no, there's no, honestly, I feel like you're a, you're showing yourself as a veteran. I'm the unsung hero here. Um, you know, the, the James Milner that just gets about doing his job. Um, doesn't complain, but never really gets the plaudits that he deserves. But anyway, let's move on to Fulham versus Nottingham Forest. Your time starts now. Possession 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Set piece goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Well played. Well played indeed. Um, okay. We'll end off with Leicester versus Spurs. Let's end off in a good one. Um, your time starts now. Possession 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Set piece goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Oh, who were you thinking about when you thought of the knee slide goal celebration for that one? Because oh, I don't, I don't know. know if Kane does it. Yeah, that's what I'm th- that's what I thought like now I've now like, I was just thinking in my head quickly <laughs> Harry Kane and I thought oh that's not his celebration so um I think I think that was a mistake I do think that was a mistake but um I know I said 2-0 but if we get a James Madison goal oh, I yeah. feel like he's, he's a standard uh, I think so. knee slider but I feel like on the last question of the last <laughs> one I feel like I have let myself down on that one It's that pressure it's, um, Yeah you, you might have gotten overconfident there for a bit yeah, I definitely think um, I need to revise the playbook on that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that might be my downfall. If I if I get twenty four out of twenty five, which um, I probably will, then that's going to be my one, uh, the one that I miss out on. It'll haunt you for the rest of your life. That one, it will. Um, but yeah, I thought you played the game well. Um, you've mixed, you've varied. I'm looking over your your predictions here. You've varied your banks and your burns throughout. So yeah, I, I wish you luck. 
Um, I know Jake Jackman likes to look at the weather if he ever gets the knee slide goal celebration question and whether or not it's going to be raining during that game week and players love a knee slide when it's raining. Did any of that factor in for you? Uh, not for me, mate. Not for me. I think you can't, you can't factor in the weather, you know, and it's so many, so many different locations. I'm all, it's the player for me. The player's got, got to come into account apart from Kane on the last one, unfortunately, which I did kind of drop the ball on. Um, but it's all right, mate. I'll, I'll send you my address. Um, is it, is it, is it a lot do I have to pay extra for postage if it's a big trophy or? No, it can, the, the Liberty Shield pays for the postage. So. Oh, okay. You're That's lucky not too there. Bad, you're lucky there. Um, all right. Let's move on to the rest of the fixtures for the weekend. Uh, we've got Southampton versus Wolves. Now, Wolves are going to be bouncing into this fixture. Um, and we'll obviously get on to Liverpool a bit later on. So I don't want to talk about them in this moment, but a fantastic performance from Wolves. I thought they were coasting for most of that game as well. If they needed to go up a gear, they could have. But they weren't really asked to. Um, and then they play against a Southampton side that were comprehensively beaten by a Brentford side last time out. Wolves are also in that relegation battle sort of kind of situation at the moment. But when I'm looking at the two squads, it doesn't look close on paper. Is, is, is that, is that your thinking as well? I'm, I've gone with another comprehensive Wolves win here. I'll admit. I've gone with a 3-0. I think back-to-back 3-0 wins for Wolves and they just continue to leave the relegation talks way behind them. I don't know, mate. I mean, Southampton currently are in possession of one of the best, most exciting coaches in the league, <laughs> according to, um, oh, oh, just himself. Um, <laughs> yeah. A very, very strange kind of... It's a strong source, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, very strange in- interview to give. Things like, I'm compromising my principles, things like I was one of the, you know, best young coaches in Europe sort of thing. It's a very, very strange interview. If I was a Southampton fan, that wouldn't really sit well with me. It's, it's similar to the, the Declan Rice sort of interview you sort of talk, spoke about earlier, except for I think it's a little bit more arrogant than that. Mm. Um, for a manager who I'm pretty sure has got maybe like one win or two wins under his belt at Southampton. But I, I predicted for Southampton to be relegated way, way before the season even started. And it's it's just looking more and more likely every single game, to be honest with you. And obviously Wolves, you know, unlike Southampton, have got that new manager bounce. They do look fairly cohesive under Lopetegui. And, you know, you, you know where the goals are going to come from for Wolves. You know what they're looking to do. They're at home again, I believe. Um, yeah, Southampton at home. Oh, Southampton at home. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, I think they they played really well, well against the Liverpool side, who, again, we'll get into, but they just didn't really get a foot on the ball. And I think the momentum that they'll have coming into this fixture surely is just going to be enough to carry them over the line so for me I'm going 2-0 to Wolves 2-0 to Wolves in this one and as I said probably one of the teams that were in that relegation zone just needed a new manager to sort them out because they've got talent in their squad and that talent is starting to shine through the cream usually rises to the top as they say um mm-hmm. speaking of cream rising newcastle have been on quite the rise this season although they seem to have stuttered a bit of late i it it's a very privileged position to stutter in you know if you're in fourth place and you you you're being said to have stuttered you know you've had a good season especially when you're not a team that was expected to be in 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 that position this late into the season they they obviously travel to Bournemouth now 
Bournemouth have just been falling for a while now. I think it's safe to say the, the, not even new, they couldn't have a new manager bounce because they had the caretaker bounce and then the caretaker yeah. became the manager. So it just, the honeymoon phase was over. It, and it almost feels as though the players now don't have to prove it to either the caretaker to stay in the team or to a potential new manager, you know, saying, look, if the caretaker doesn't get the job, we need to play well so that when the new manager comes in, he looks at the tape and he sees us as one of those players that have been playing well. The the moment they made um the caretaker permanent, it seemed to sort of start to, to crumble quite a bit there. Um And as I said, they, they're playing a team in Newcastle who have stuttered a little bit, but are still in fourth place, maybe starting to look behind them instead of ahead of them um, with Spurs starting to pick up some results. But how do you see Newcastle handling Bournemouth or is it one of those perfect games for Newcastle considering the stuttering and then the the form that Bournemouth are in at the moment? Uh, well, I mean, they did sort of stutter against West Ham, but I think the key there is Bruno Gamares, him not being in the team. Honestly, I'd say he's probably just the cog that makes everything work together. So I believe he'll be back for this fixture. Um, I think that will give them a big boost. I mean, it's it's the best defensive team in the country going up against a team that do not score many goals. And even if Solanke gets back in the squad, I mean, where are these goals really going to be coming from? And apart from the really odd sort of results that Bournemouth just seem to grind out, I just don't really see how they're going to get a result in this game against a Newcastle side, which just grind every single result out. They're such a well-drilled side. They know exactly what they're doing. Could it be Anthony Gordon's first appearance, potentially? I mean, he'll be looking to sort of get on the score sheet. Callum Wilson, obviously, is in good form. I think Bournemouth are winless in five or so games. They don't score many goals. For me, it's more of a question of how many goals are Newcastle going to put past them? Is it going to be the case that they're going to, you know, fire themselves back in with a big 3-0 result or... Are they going to do what Newcastle do best and grind out a 1-0 result? And I think that's what they're going to do. I think it's going to be 1-0 to Newcastle. Um, not the most exciting game in the world, but I, I just I really struggle to see how Bournemouth are going to be able to score a goal, especially, like I said, against the best defensive side in the country. Yeah, I mentioned um, Liverpool and them conceding 23 big chances since Christmas. Newcastle have only conceded three. So yeah, they are. And, and the average for anyone interested in the league at the moment is 12. So yeah, they're, they're a tough team to score against. They're very well disciplined. Um, and as you said, it should, the best case scenario, I guess, in that sense for Bournemouth would be a nil-nil draw. <laughs> um, cause I also don't see them scoring in this game. I, I think Newcastle take this one 2-0. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if they just go free flowing. Um, football all of a sudden and, and, you know, just blow them out the water. But the scoreline might not represent how comfortable the game will be for them. So even if they don't get, you know, a whole lot of goals, I still think it's going to be a comfortable game for them and, and they see it out and then move on. Sorry, your score prediction again was? Uh, 1-0. 1-0 to to Newcastle. Now, let's move on to our next game. It's Leeds versus Man United in a very unique game, obviously, considering what's happening in the midweek because we have Man United versus Leeds starting um, soon, you know, just to 
peel the curtain back a little bit, starting soon at time of recording. So we don't quite have the privilege of knowing how that game goes. But Man United faced the new manager bounce twice, potentially, but not really. Um, or maybe more a reaction from the team um, with, with Jesse March being let go in, in the form of Leeds. And then do they then face a Leeds with a new manager by the weekend? We don't know all of those permutations. So it, to me, this was a difficult game to predict because I just don't know what kind of Leeds to expect. Mm. And, and, you know, it's difficult when you face a side because it's not, it's not really something we see too often, is it? Playing a side and then playing them the next day. I mean, if Leeds get absolutely spanked tonight, do they say, well, where did we go wrong? And then, you know, they just go again uh, at the weekend. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the sacking of Jesse Marsh? Because I, I know I know Leeds aren't in the best of form at the moment, but the manager market is quite bad. And we've seen that from clubs like West Ham and Everton, who've been very hesitant to let coaches go. And I, I am quite surprised because I thought, he had, you know, they've given him a lot of sort of free reign in the transfer market. He was building his kind of, building what he thought was his squads and let's be fair they're not actually doing all that bad in 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 the league I think when you look at where they would expect to be at this point in the season considering where they were last season they're honestly not doing too bad um so I'm quite surprised that Jesse Marsh got sacked. I don't know if you share that or not I I do because um I've been one of those people that said they haven't been blown out of a lot of games they've played competitively in games at times they just haven't had that finishing touch which I think has been an issue for them for most of the season um and see the the worry for me I mean looking at their goal difference they're on minus eight at the moment the the worry obviously you have Patrick Bamford that doesn't play for most of the season um and then Rodrigo gets that injury it's unfortunate I think Maybe it's the pressure of the owners having spent some money this uh, transfer window and wanting results quickly, saying, okay, um, we're not necessarily where we want to be, but, you know, in, in the league, we're still flirting with relegation here. What do you need? I.e. Jesse Marsh, what do you need to sort this out? And then they get him players, whether or not they're the players he did want. We, we, we won't know that, but they certainly bring him some more assets to work with. And then the results don't change maybe as quickly as the owners wanted. And they panic thinking, okay, well, let's at least change Jesse Marsh now so that any new manager has time to correct this, you know, going forward. But yeah, I, I think they've, they've uh, jumped the gun here and getting rid of him. I thought mm. Leeds were unlucky in a lot of games. I, I liked the football that they were playing. They just couldn't um, get that finishing touch in, in a lot of games, which is, Maybe the issue for them. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's unfortunate for them. They're coming up against a, a Man United team that's playing with confidence at the moment, led by Marcus Rashford, who, as we said, between him and Matoma, I don't mind who you want to, to, to back there. Maybe Kane might throw his hat in there. You know, Haaland is always flirting in that conversation with the amount of goals he scored this season. But certainly in terms of inform at the moment and really exciting to watch, um, I certainly think Rashford and Matoma are, are the two that are really on it at the moment. So are they going to be able to handle him without knowing what Leeds is going to show up to this one? I'm going to back the team that's playing with confidence at the moment. I'm going to go with a one no Man United win. But as I said, it, it feels 
too much of an uneducated guess for my liking, but mm. this is the, the the hand we've been dealt. I mean, um, is uh, Casemiro? He's got uh, is it a two match ban? Is it just a one match ban? Um, it sh- was it a it was a straight it was violent. Red. It was violent conduct, it so I think that's a like two, two or three, isn't it? At yeah. Least. So, so from my understanding, he won't be playing in either of the fixtures. You yeah. know, have the question is always dangling above United's head: Is Casemiro too big a miss for them to play the football they want to play? I think from the standpoint that maybe Leeds are not going to be as punishing a side. I mean, they just got McKenney in and Adams. That I mean, that's a very good midfield. It's a very strong midfield. Um, again, it's just such a it's such a weird thing to guess, isn't it? You could you could see United absolutely spanking Leeds tonight, and then Leeds winning on on the weekend. It's such a and you know at Ellen Road as well. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a difficult fixture to call. It is traditionally a bit of a grudge match as well. Yeah. For me, I'm going to go two one to Manchester United. I think I I don't know why, but I, I feel like you need Leeds are going to pop up with this this goal, especially with the home advantage on their side. Um, and you know who knows they could have a new manager by then. They could be looking to get a new manager in, uh, and and the Leeds players are trying to impress. For me, it's such uncharted waters in this game that I feel like something strange like Leeds scoring a goal and maybe putting a putting a spanner in the works for United. But I still think they're going to get the job done. Yeah, I think so. And it, it's it's unfortunate, but obviously we do want to get this podcast out in time for fans to listen to digest before the weekend, but not being able to watch this first game before being able to predict this one made it a little bit more challenging for us. But as I said, we, we do it because we wanted to get this podcast out in time. Um, the interesting thing for that game, I think it's going to be Noto versus, I'm assuming they're going to play one Bissaka because of his defensive prowess against uh, a very lively winger. Um, if, if that happens in both games, I think that could be an, an exciting battle. But let's move on to Man City versus Aston Villa. Obviously, Man City failed to capitalise on Arsenal's loss to Everton this past weekend. They're still five points behind. They've played a game extra. They have to win this game against Aston Villa to put any pressure on Arsenal. Regardless of what Arsenal's result is on the weekend, they have to beat Aston Villa just to give Arsenal something to think about heading into that midweek game. Because I think if, if, if City don't win this game, I think it's a free hit on Wednesday for Arsenal. There's not as much pressure as there would be, regardless of whether, you know, Arsenal win their first game. I just think City need to win this game to put pressure on them. And we've seen, you know, recently, maybe not so much their last game, but in recent performances that Aston Villa under Unai Emery are a very tricky team to play they 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 can cause an upset in this game they're good in transition which is probably Man City's biggest Achilles heel is defending in transition can Aston Villa be the ones to throw the spanner in the works I know I mentioned Brentford throwing a spanner in the work but could it be Aston Villa with Bailey on the break I'm thinking of Ollie Watkins pace and strength They've got weapons, man. Mm. Yeah, I'm. All, I'm always thinking about City. Then I feel like whenever they do slip up, Pep demands a lot more from his players, and they they tend to kind of have that result that kind of puts them back in the conversation. You know, they'll they'll lose to and, and let's be honest, we're talking about a loss to Tottenham, which is not something that City are that accustomed to. But you know, Tottenham are, are a decent side. There's no shame in losing to a side who are only like six points behind you. So for me, I do think that. 
Pep is going to demand a lot more from his players. They're going to bounce back. I do think Villa are going to put a spanner in the works, but I think ultimately that will be corrected uh, by Manchester City. And I think it's going to be a 2-1 win for City. But it's interesting. It's a really interesting game. I mean, you've just got a, a Villa side that you sort of think uh, are coming up. They're sort of playing the football that um, Unai Emery wants to play. And then they lose 4-2 to Leicester. It's a strange one. It's a strange one to predict that one. But I think whenever City tend to lose and they tend to be like, oh, well, that, that's it. You know, Arsenal are going to win the league, whatever. Pep just pulls something out of his hat of football knowledge and just seems to be able to grind out a result to put themselves back in the conversation. So I think City are going to have a little bit of a bounce back here. You know what? For the good of football, um, I think Aston Villa just have to take one on the chin here and they're going to have to lose this game purely because whether or not, you know, Arsenal or Man City or anyone else, if, if it's possible, goes on to win, you know, the, the league title this season. Fair enough. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have a horse in, in the race, so to speak at the moment. So I don't mind who takes it between th- those two. Or as I said, if, if another team wants to throw their hat in there, but just for us to get the game that I think we deserve as football fans on Wednesday, we need this game to be spicy. We need Man City to be confident in this game, come out of this game confident. Um, because at the moment, Arsenal just look way more confident than, than Man City. I know they had that FA Cup game where Man City, um, did the number on, on, on Arsenal in that one. But I think Man City need this one. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with the 2-1 Man City win as well in this one, but I'm, I'm actually not confident. I think Bailey mm. on the counter is going to cause them problems. I think the power and pace of Ollie Watkins is going to cause them problems. Coutinho coming on late into the game, being able to pick a pass could be dangerous. I, I think it's going to be a very, very tough game for Man City. And if they get out of that one, then fair play to them. Speaking of tough games, uh, Liverpool have had tough game after tough game. Uh, maybe not on paper. Some of these games they should have been winning, but they've been absolutely atrocious. The worst team in the league in 2023 at the moment. They come up against Everton with Sean Dyche. I, I like Sean Dyche. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, I really was hoping that he would get a club slightly higher up than Everton with maybe more muscle in, in, in the transfer market. I don't know. You know, Everton used to have muscle and then, you know, they, they mismanaged the funds a bit. And I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity, but. He showed that with what he could play with, he gave them a plan. Um, they executed it and they looked a different team in my eyes. And the thing for me was I've been harping on about, um, you know, how I'm not a fan of Lampard or Gerard as, as Premier League managers. I don't think they're there yet. If they get their fair play, but I don't think they are. Just look at the difference in the team. Look at the difference in Everton between when they've now got a coach that knows what he's doing in, in Sean Dyche versus, uh, you know, what they were doing under Lampard. Um, I think, I think Everton going to this one as the favorites. I cannot see other than the name of Liverpool. I don't see why Liverpool keep being thrown into games as favorites. Mm. They've not shown us anything this season to, 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 to say that they weren't being favorites going into any game and, you know, we see it with the performances. Um, I think they're, you know, I think Klopp's, you know, obviously, you know, Liverpool fans are saying Klopp's not being backed. Yes, there is that element, but also Klopp chose not to be backed. 
you had money to spend. You can't say you didn't have money. You you chose to spend it on on Gakpo. Um, these are decisions that were made. Um, so yeah, I I think Everton go and win this one. Um, I don't enjoy saying that, but I don't see any proof other than just hoping that the old Liverpool comes back or hoping that the name of Liverpool carries you through the game. It's a lot of hope. It's way too much hope for me. I've uh, been there, mate. I'm still there. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm going with an I'm going with an Everton 2 0 win here. I think they're gonna be wow. so well disciplined. I think they're gonna have runners from midfield and I think Onana's gonna be man of the match again because him driving from midfield is gonna be such a problem for Liverpool. They are so susceptible to runners from midfield. And we saw the energy that Decore showed, the energy that Onana showed. McNeil had probably his best game as an Everton player against Arsenal. I, I can't see it. I can't see it for Liverpool. I've gone 2-0 to Everton. Now, after that rant, Riley, tell me I'm wrong, please. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think that we might be going into a Liverpool versus Everton game with the more organised of the two sides being Everton. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, Liverpool just looking utter disarray at the moment. And you always get this feel with Klopp that, you know, it's going to take time. And like, you know, yeah, we've we, we've had these poor results, but it's going to, you know, it's going to come back around. There's going to be a bounce. But he just looks very defeated, very out of ideas. Like he doesn't, I mean, at, at what point are we sitting here and saying that maybe he has to be sacked? I mean, I know... Most Liverpool fans have this love affair with Klopp and they think they should stay in the job. And I think we do tend to kind of be a bit reactionary and say, well, things are going well. Let's just bin the manager off and get rid of him. But like you say, he's had money to spend. The biggest issue has been the midfield for a very long time now. And he's not he's chosen not to do it. I think in, in the interview, he said fans have been calling uh, for a midfielder to, to come in and for a midfielder to be signed. And you were right. I mean very few managers would come out and say something as, as damning as that. But then I do think maybe a tiny, you're getting a tiny bit carried away with just how good Everton can be under Sean Dyche. They're going to, they're going to be organized. They're going to be a, a decent side, but they're not going to be playing the free flow and attacking football that we've seen from Liverpool. You know, it's, it's a derby. It's going to be a, a grinding out result from either side. Um, but, you know, again, against a side like Arsenal, who are so dominant on the ball, it's such a different side, isn't it? You've got a side that are so dominant on the ball and, and, and now had to cut teams apart. Then you're going against a Liverpool side who are going to want to play on the counter and, and stretch sides. For me, I think it's going to be a one-all draw. I, I, I don't really think that's a bad result for either side with how they're playing at the moment. Obviously, being a derby and being where the game's being played, a lot is going to be demanded of those players. Uh, I, I don't know. I just I see it. I see. I see it personally. I think it's going to be a one-all draw. But it's just it's hard for me to sit there and admit that, knowing the predicament Everton are in, are in, and also like you say, the name that Liverpool carries, how well they've played over the last few seasons, just the the level of talent they've got in that squad. Um, but yeah, I I don't think Liverpool's bounce back is going to be just quite yet. But I'm not being as um pessimistic as you are Tad. <laughs> I'm a realist I like to say I'm a realist when it comes to Liverpool but yeah I, I think a 1-1 a draw both managers will probably take that now if you offered it to them um, heading into this weekend but yeah just the last thing on on Klopp I think the the thing for me is he needs to get back to just coaching the team this thing of him getting a lot more power than I think he needs with regards to transfers and which players get contract renewals and stuff like that we had a really good system. 
uh, you know, Brighton modeled their system on what we did. They got their director of football from our staff and he brought all of those ideas across to Brighton. So we've seen Liverpool be a team where you have the Michael Edwards, you have the Ian Grahams in the analytical department doing things. Klopp was just coaching team, coaching the players. You know, you have the stories of he wasn't sure about Salah. Um, he didn't want Mane, he wanted someone else, but they just went and got the players for him. And Klopp is very good at developing players. At the moment, you look at the signings that Liverpool made with Nunes coming in, a striker that's now playing left wing because Klopp doesn't know how to use him, it seems. Mm. And then Cody Gakpo coming in to now play in the middle when you've got the, the, the big name striker Nunes that you bought. It, it seems like he's he's stretching himself too thin he should just maybe release some of that power back to what it used to be like and and hopefully that sorts them out but at the moment i'll i'll wait to see it to believe it with liverpool yeah i've i've gone to no everton i can't believe i've had to say that with how dominant liverpool have been in derbies of late um in the merseyside derby it, it it's a big big fall from grace in my opinion but could it be a big fall from grace for Manchester City as they it, they have to travel to the Emirates to play Arsenal in what should be the game of the season based on what's gone on so far this season? And we've mentioned passing the torch. Could it be the moment that the, the torch is passed from Pep Guardiola to Mikel Arteta? And not just in the sense of you know, Man City and how dominant they've been, the four league titles in five years. We know there's also stuff behind the scenes going on with Man City and we're not sure how that's going to end up. But it could be bigger than just a passing of the torch on the pitch. If there are ramifications for Man City off the pitch, it could be a passing of the torch in in the grand sense of things where Arsenal become the team to chase um, are, are you looking forward to this game as much as I am? And obviously it's at the Emirates as well, which makes it quite exciting. Yeah, it does, it does seem like one of those games where you expect Arsenal in, in the sort of position that they're in to, to win it and to kick on and to sort of cement themselves in that first position. But you do get that sense that City are just going to claw some points back and it's going to be that classic classic Premier League season where this is where Arsenal drop a little bit of form and you know you you get the exciting into the season that you want with I think what uh, Arsenal have got a game in hand on City five points between them obviously depending on what happens this weekend we you know we we could see them within a point of each other and the title race is once again back on but you see the way that Arsenal play at the moment and it's it, it it's hard to to count them out it's hard to think of a team playing better football they look like champions at the moment so um it, I, I think it'll be an exciting game no matter what but. It's one that I probably wouldn't want to call, so I'm glad I'm not uh, predicting that one for this week. Yeah, it, it will be an interesting one. Um, I'll go ahead and predict it. Um, I don't know if you do want to give a prediction for it, because it, it does technically tie into this game week 23. Um, I think this is the passing of the torch. I think Arsenal take the win here, and probably for... I know, I know I'll speak on Liverpool on this part. There was a game... You know, when we did win the, the Premier League title, when we played Man United at home and Salah scored, you know, a, a late goal where Allison plays the ball over and Salah dribbles and scores. Yeah. And I think it was the first time that the Liverpool fans truly started singing, we're going to win the league. 
it was that it 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 was almost that moment that everyone started to genuinely believe this is going to happen. It was now you know that wave sort of carried us for the rest of the season. If Arsenal go and beat Man City, this could be the win that they need to carry them for the rest of the season. To you know when they when they're down in games to look back and remind them of, and also for for the fans as well. If they beat Man City, I don't know if you can even talk to an Arsenal fan, you know, mm. on that day. For the rest of the week, I'm, my best friend's an Arsenal fan. I might just ignore his messages for a week because I can only imagine what he's going to be like if, if they beat them. But yeah, I think it's going to happen. I think this is the passing of the torch. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Arsenal win. Well, I always have this old thing where if I, I can't decide which team's going to win, I often go for a draw. Yeah. And I always think as well in the in these big games that are always played in to be like, oh, winner's going to take all sort of games. It, they do tend to be a little bit more cagey than than we predict. Um, so I'm going to go two two. Fair, which is still an exciting game. Um, and and maybe they then go and they, they still need to go again because we have to remember this is their first game playing each other this season. Uh, in the Premier League, obviously they had that FA Cup game. But Riley, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Your first banquet or burn it. Um, but that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap up? No, obviously, I think we've we've been on enough times now where we know my Twitter, at uh, Finchie Riley. And obviously, if you guys don't know, uh, if there's any West, West Ham fans listening, you poor buggers, then uh, I do do a lot of work on the West Ham way with exclusive news and videos on all of the games and all of the West Ham news that goes on. Awesome stuff. Guys, from my end, go ahead and check out all the content on EPL Index website. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for. Of course, there's the daily podcast show, the two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Uh, just a note on that one. They're not, I think they're only three episodes this week, um, of two-footed, but usually, um, it, it, it goes Monday to Friday, but I think just for this week, there was a public holiday, I think in Ireland on Monday. So you didn't have a show then. Um, but yeah, I think just have a look to see how many of those episodes are going to be. It's not a mistake. Um, it, it's just the nature of the beast. But as we say, usually they're on every day during the week. Um, there's the EPL round table where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewings of previews of the happenings around the EPL. That's usually recorded on Sunday nights and is out late Sunday night or Monday morning. I'm sure the topic on that one is going to be, um, heavily centered on Man City and the situation they're facing. I'm going to be one of the guests on that show, which is probably why I didn't want to talk too much about Man City. And, and the off the pitch stuff on this episode with so many games that we had to get through. But yeah, if you want to hear my thoughts on, on that one and, and um, definitely go and check that podcast out. I'm sure we'll have fans from other EPL teams as well to get their perspectives and their reactions of that situation. Guys, go and follow EPL Index on uh, Twitter. Go and follow at a tad predictable on Twitter. Give us um, five stars on your podcast providers. Write positive comments. That stuff really, really helps us out. I've been to the Ochenikira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and our defending champion, Jody McKenness. She's at uh, Spursy141. They do the guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Riley Finch at Finchy Riley on Twitter. And remember, 
Chisinga Perry, Chinoshira. Podcast Network.